Hey, welcome to the fourth episode of the podcast from the India Travel Tales for Kids dot com. Today, I'm excited to be bringing you snippets from my favorite subject, Indian history. Ew! Did I hear you say? Well, history can be fun. Forget the dates and the wars. Think of it like a bunch of stories. Stories about things around you that give meaning to your life. Today, I'm going to tell you one such story. The story about the Indian map. How many states does India have? Twenty-nine states, is it? And seven union territories? Well, when I was in school, we studied that India had twenty-five states. Goa was still a union territory, and many of the states you see on the map today were not states back then. Likewise, when my grandparents grew up in India, the map of India looked very different too. States have been formed and reformed over the years, but do you know how that began and how the states were originally created? Well, it's a story full of eventful and tragic drama. In this podcast, I'm going to give you a short glimpse into that dramatic story. The map of the Indian states appears rather logical to you, doesn't it? The states are based on the different languages spoken in the region. So Tamil Nadu is the state of Tamil speakers and Gujarat is the state of people speaking Gujarati. Well, although it may seem logical today, things were very different a century ago. Before 1947, the map of India looked very different from what it looks like today. Not only were Pakistan and Bangladesh a part of India at that time, the internal organization of the states was also very different. So for instance, a large part of central India was a state called the Central Provinces. All the southern states you see on the map today were a part of Madras state. The western region comprised the Bombay state. Moreover, almost two-fifths of the territory that is India today were ruled by rajas and nawabs, and these regions were called princely states. To read the full story and to see the map, you can log on to my blog post on the site www.indiatraveltalesforkids.com. Going on with the story, during the British time, Indian leaders looked for various ways to unite and communicate with the people of India in order to fight the British. Remember now, this is a time when television and internet did not exist, nor was there a common Indian language. In this scenario, leaders thought that the best way to communicate with people was in their respective mother tongues, as it had the potential to arouse and move them into action. With this view, the Congress Party decided to commit to creating provinces based on language in the country. So we had the Maharashtra Congress Committee, the Karnataka Congress Committee, and so on. Gandhi endorsed this view. So did Nehru. However, by 1947, Nehru's outlook had changed. The country had been battered and bruised due to partition. Millions lay dead, and the nation stood divided. Religion had caused a deep rift amongst the people. Nehru was deeply anguished and did not wish for language to become another cause of division. The country is facing a very critical situation resulting from partition, said the prime minister. The first essential is for India as a whole to be strong and firmly established. This view was supported by the Home Minister Vallabhbhai Patel, 
who also viewed language as a factor that could become an obstacle in forging India's unity. However, not everyone saw things that way. Marathi-speaking people demanded a separate state of Maharashtra. Those speaking Telugu wanted to break free from the Madras state. Similar demands were made by linguistic groups across the country. Giving in to their demand, a committee was set up to look into the matter. This committee, in all its wisdom, concluded that language was not only a binding force but also a separating one. It emphasized that the primary consideration of the young nation was security, unity and prosperity. Anything that had the potential to damage that ought to be discouraged. However, the growing demand in the regions could not be quelled, particularly in the state of Madras, which was home to people speaking Tamil, Malayalam, Telugu, Kannada. After Hindi, Telugu was the most spoken language in India at that time. The Telugu speakers demanded that they be given a separate state. This demand was led by a Gandhian named Potti Sriramalu, who declared that he was going on a fast unto death for the cause. Initially, Nehru did not take the situation seriously. Some kind of fast is going on for the Andhra province and I get frantic telegrams, he wrote in a letter to C. Rajagopalachari, the chief minister of Madras state then. I propose to ignore it completely, he said. In Nehru's words, facts and not fasts would decide the issue. Little did Nehru know that he had misread the situation. Potti Sriramalu's fast was now into its eighth week. The agitation was spreading fast, emotions were running high. On 15th December 1952, 58 days after he had begun his fast, Potti Sriramalu died. All hell broke loose. Trains were stopped, government offices ransacked, rioters run amok. Protesters killed in police firings. This time, Nehru relented. On the third day after the death of Sri Ramalu, Nehru declared that Andhra Pradesh would be carved out as a separate state for the Telugu-speaking people of Madras. Now that the first chip had fallen, naturally the domino effect would follow. If I were to say it in Nehru's own words, he is believed to have said to a colleague, We have disturbed the hornet's nest. We shall be badly stung. The creation of the new state of Andhra Pradesh for Telugu-speaking people gave further impetus to similar voices across the country. At this time, the government appointed the State's Reorganisation Commission, whose members travelled across India listening to people's voices. One of the most vocal demands was from the Sanyukta Maharashtra Parishad that demanded a separate state for Marathi-speaking people. At that time, the state of Bombay comprised people speaking Marathi, Gujarati, Kachi, Kannada, amongst others. Industrialists and leading businessmen formed a Bombay Citizens Committee demanding that the city of Bombay, now Mumbai, be kept out of Maharashtra. Gujaratis formed the Maha Gujarat Parishad and sought that Bombay be the joint capital of Gujarat and Maharashtra. It was believed that Nehru was inclined to make Bombay a separate union territory. Once again, tensions rose. Over 100 people lost their lives in protests. When Nehru was visiting Bombay for the annual session of the Congress in 1956, he was greeted with black flags. Petitions were presented to him by children who stood with placards on the way that read, Chacha Nehru Mumbai Dya, meaning Uncle Nehru, give us Mumbai. 
As you can see, these were tense times. Ultimately, Maharashtra and Gujarat were carved out as separate states and Bombay became the capital of Maharashtra. For those of you who have been to Flora Fountain in Mumbai, the statue at Flora Fountain, also called Hutatma Chauk, of the martyr with the flame, is a memorial to the Sanyukta Maharashtra movement, whose efforts led to the creation of the state of Maharashtra. And with that, one by one, the process of carving out linguistic states began and continued, resulting in the map of India that you see today. So, that's the story of how the states on the Indian map were created, a story of much turmoil and drama. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check into my site www.indiatraveltalesforkids.com for more such interesting insights into Indian history and culture and subscribe to stay tuned for stories, podcasts and more. Goodbye.